Welcome to the Rock Ag Podcast. This is your host, Gary Calvi, Ag and Natural Resource Agent for the University of Kentucky in Rockcastle County. Today, we'll be joined by Martha Yont, Nutrition Education Specialist for the University of Kentucky Cooperative Extension Family and Consumer Sciences Nutrition Education Program. In this episode, we'll take a break from our normal podcast layout of production ag and start talking about some outdoor cooking. We will cover topics such as food safety, equipment, and cooking temperatures, and cleanup in this episode. Thanks for joining us today, Martha. We appreciate you coming on to talk to us about some outdoor cast iron cooking today. We're going to cover cover some topics and go through some stuff. And one of my favorite things to do is cook and cast iron outside. I love it, and I know that uh, that we share that uh, interest. And you actually taught me a lot whenever I first started getting uh, interested in it. So I appreciate that. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with it. And so hopefully through this podcast, we'll be able to reach a few people and maybe get some more people started and and give some pointers and stuff like that to get going. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you, Garrett. You know, this is one of my favorite things to do. I love outdoor cooking of all kinds. And cast iron is just it's just really fun to uh, to work with. It's been around a long, long time. It's certainly nothing new, but we find new people every day that are getting started with it. So thanks again for letting letting me have this conversation with you. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So I want to get started. And obviously, if we're wanting to get started into cast iron cooking, outdoor cooking kind of thing, tell us some equipment suggestions that you would that, you know, if we're going to start tomorrow, what do we need to go out and buy today to start this process? Well, there's a lot of right answers to that question. And if you have looked at cast iron in in the stores, you see that, you know, you're making an investment there. So it is good to sort of proceed slowly and uh, and build build over time. Um, don't be in a hurry to to buy every gadget that's out there. And in fact, if you already have something at home, even if you have a cast iron skillet, you can get started with outdoor cooking just that way. And I know most people think about, or many people will think about um, a cast iron camp Dutch oven when they're thinking out, thinking of outdoor cooking. But if you have an indoor or a kitchen Dutch oven, I don't know what you want to call it, but the one that people would typically use inside their house in the oven, you could use that with outdoor cooking uh, as well. It might not have all the, it might not be as perfect as one that was built just for outdoor cooking. But if if I was going to recommend to someone the first purchase that they make, a 12 inch camp Dutch oven is just a very, very basic piece of equipment. And it's an easy one to get started with. And the reason that I recommend the 12 inch instead of um, the other sizes um, is that a 12 inch Dutch oven has the same cooking volume inside it as a nine by 13 pan. And that's just a very common size of kitchen pan. And so you don't really have to guess on the amounts to go in that 12 inch Dutch oven. If it fits inside a nine by 13 pan, it's the right amount for that 12 inch cast iron Dutch oven. And, and you think, well, 12 inches is awful big. Maybe there's only two or three of us and I don't need one that large, but a 12 inch one's very versatile and you can actually put a smaller pan inside the Dutch oven if you want to bake a smaller quantity. So for me, I I think that that's my recommendation for a very first piece of equipment if you're going to purchase. And yes, that is a significant purchase. We We don't advocate any brand, one brand over another. 
The things that you want to look for are um, a well-fitting lid. A Camp Dutch oven has, has three little legs on the bottom, and it has a rim around the lid to hold the ashes and coals on top so they won't get into your food. But really, if you find one that has, has a nice fitting lid, seems to be well-made, we don't advocate a particular brand. I will say that the Lodge Cast Iron Manufacturing Company is right next door in Tennessee, and we do encourage people to shop local when they can. That's right. That's right. I, I love their um, their Dutch ovens. They work so well. And, you know, I've used some of the older ones, too. And, man, if you can find one of the older older Wagners or Griswolds or something like that, you found a real treasure on those as well. And cast iron will last for generations and yep. generations. Yep. So this isn't uh, isn't something that that's going to be a temporary piece. So be thoughtful when you purchase. And if you can get a, a hand-me-down from, from someone, that's even better. That's right. That's right. We, uh, you know, as we talk about using a Dutch oven, uh, there's a couple of things that I think about and, and I would like your opinion on is that, you know, when we're using coals and stuff like that on these Dutch ovens, they get really hot. So what about using something like a lid lifter and maybe a heavy set of gloves? And would you recommend having that kind of stuff with us as well? Certainly, because if you get burned on that hot piece of metal, you're not going to be in a hurry to try cooking again. So some basic things. And there are purpose-built items, like you can find a, some specialty tools, lid lifters, to lift that hot lid off. Um, you can also use the, the backside of a claw hammer. Yes. Uh, so, so even though the purpose-built item might be ideal for it, you don't necessarily have to have that. But you do want to make sure that you're keeping your hands and everything else safe from that hot metal. So something to lift the lid safely, whether that it is a cast iron lid lifter or if it is the backside of that claw hammer. And then some heavy gloves are, um, are a great thing, too. You can purchase gloves that are intended specifically for cast iron cooking, or you can go to a discount hardware store and find some inexpensive welding gloves which also uh, work just as well and may cost a little less. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. So we're going to, let's move on a little bit and, and uh, let's talk about when, we, when we're talking about going somewhere and doing some outdoor cooking and doing some things outside. It's not like cooking at home. We don't have a refrigerator sitting right there beside of us. We don't have all of our our, our typical heat sources. And so it might vary a little bit. So talk to us a little bit about the food safety aspect of it, keeping the cold things cold and making sure that we get to correct cooking temperatures and stuff. Tell us about that. Well, Garrett, thank you for asking me that question because you know it's another one of my favorite topics. <laughs> my family calls me the food safety police. But we do want to make sure that the foods that we eat outdoors are just as safe and um, nutritious for us as the ones that we eat indoors. And no, we don't have that nice big refrigerator freezer most of the time with us. But we can do a couple of things to make sure that our food stays safe. Depending on how you're traveling, if you're in a vehicle and then you're cooking outdoors, you might be able to bring a full-size cooler, make sure that your food is packed in there with lots of ice, and that will keep it a safe temperature. Now, you're a little more adventurous than I am, and sometimes I know you're traveling on four-legged transportation. Right. And so you might want to carry that full-size cooler with you. But you can still make sure that uh, the perishable foods you you take with you stay cold. You can use an insulated cooler bag 
uh, or a smaller cooler that you might be able to uh, pack in the saddlebags. Or you can actually just choose to cook foods that are non-perishable and you don't have to worry about keeping something cold. Some things that will help out with that, especially let's talk about meats just for a minute. If you're taking raw meat with you, you can freeze that at home before you leave and start out with it frozen. That means it's going to stay at a at a safe temperature for longer. And in that insulated cooler bag, the frozen meat with a few more ice packs in there will stay cold and stay safe for long enough. You, um, The more perishable foods I always consider as first night meals. So if you're going to take that, that nice big steak with you, even if you start out from home with it frozen and it's in that cooler bag, you still might plan that as a first night meal or maybe um, a first morning meal if you're having steak and eggs in the cast iron skillet over a fire for breakfast. Never take a chance with food that has been at um, the wrong temperature for too long. So we have sort of a one hour window um, in, in the summertime. In the wintertime, we have a little bit longer because the outdoor temperature is a little colder, but we wanna keep our foods uh, at a safe temperature and avoid having them at room temperature. You know, if we're outdoors, it's, it's not room temperature. Um, but certainly for under an hour for those foods to be out at, at room temperature, ambient temperature. Mm-hmm. And then one other item of equipment I think would be perfect to add to your kit is a, a food thermometer, a meat thermometer, an instant read one that you can put in because it's hard to tell just by looking if, um, if food, particularly meats, are cooked to the right internal temperature. And we don't wanna take a risk at getting sick because that would just ruin your, your whole trip. And, you know, sometimes with outdoor cooking, especially it's with a camping trip, you might be cooking after it's gotten dark and you really can't see very well. And so a thermometer is the way to go. And so um, you can ask, Garrett will be glad to give you these numbers later or anyone with cooperative extension. But with beef, lamb and pork, we want to make sure that the center of that cut, and this is a whole cut like a chop or a roast or a steak that the center, the very middle of that, reaches 145 degrees. That way we know that if there are any things in there that might make us sick, that temperature's gotten high enough to take care of that. If we're cooking ground meats like um, hamburgers or ground turkey, since those meats have been all chopped up and combined, we have to get them to a higher temperature to make sure that they're safe, and that's 160 degrees. And then chicken and turkey, need to be cooked to an internal um, 165 degrees. And of course, fish, if you're fishing, that's the one just needs to be 145 degrees as well. So use that thermometer and make sure you're getting your meats to the right temperature. It can also help you not overcook. And I know that's that's my problem. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to be sure that meat's done. And so I tend to overcook it, dry it out. So that thermometer is a great tool. I think with, especially with cooking and cast iron over a fire or something like that, a lot of times it, it's hard to tell because we're not used to that temperature and we're not getting exact temperatures like we do with the stove. So you, either A, you burn the outside and the inside draw, or you, you're cooking at a lower temperature. So it kind of cooks it all the way through and it doesn't really look done on the outside. So I think that that's very important when we're cooking outside like that to make sure that we're, we're getting in that right temperature control. 
which kind of leads us into my next topic that I have for us is, is talk about, you know, when are we baking a Dutch oven? If we're, we're, if we're baking a cake or a, a cornbread or something like that, talk about some temperature control and how we can make sure that we're keeping the correct temperature on our, on our Dutch oven. Right. And baking has its, its own challenges there, because if you're cooking in an open skillet, Garrett, you know, we can see what's going on, but in that Dutch oven, we're wanting to bake, we get heat coming from the top and the bottom. And whether we're using charcoal briquettes that came out of a bag or we're using campfire coals, we, we adjust the baking temperature by either adding or removing the coals. And using charcoal briquettes that come out of a bag, that's, an, that's easier for a beginner. I think it takes a little more finesse with the wood coals. I'm still working on perfecting that. You may, you may have that uh, already oh, under control. That's pretty <laughs> tough. Those wood, those wood coals are pretty tough. They really are. But it's a fun challenge. And it it's is. something that the more, you, the, do, the more you do it, the better you get. So just for a starting point, let's say we were going to bake a cake in our cast iron Dutch oven. And if we're using that 12 inch one, which is my favorite beginner size, then um, just for a starting point, we, I would start out with eight coals in a circle under the bottom and 17 on the top to get us about to a 350 degree oven. Now you can, you can find charts that have, um, have suggestions on starting with coals, but, but remember it is just suggestions because if it's a really windy day, it's going to take a few more. If you're stewing or frying under your cast iron Dutch oven, you can put the coals in any arrangement, but if you're baking, you want to be sure and put them in a circle on the bottom. Because if you put that coal in the middle, even though you think, oh, yeah, I just need one more. I'm going to put it right here in the middle. The way the heat radiates in there, it will burn every time. Yeah. So if you're baking, be sure and put your, the bottom coals in a circle underneath that. and Leave that middle empty. It'll get plenty of heat. And then the coals on the top of the lid, they'll be in a more even pattern all the way over the lid. And just because of the nature of heat, we put fewer coals on the bottom because all of that heat's going right up into the pan. But we have to put more coals on the top because we're losing that part of heat, part of that heat as it's going up into the air. So that's why you put fewer coals on the bottom and more coals on the top. One thing uh, that I would like to touch on with this as well that I that I learned the hard way is that uh, I you want to preheat a Dutch oven just like you preheat your oven at home, correct? That is true. There are some foods that it's not critical, but you'll get a, a more even mm. uh, bake with it. And especially if you're cooking cornbread, oh my, you had, that really needs to be preheated so that we're, we're, our pan is nice and hot. And you don't always have to preheat your, your cast iron camp oven to your full baking temperature, but you want to get the pan warmed up so that it's ready to cook right away. Okay, so let's move on to talking about using a open skillet over a fire. Tell us how to use that. Okay, well, direct heat, in some ways, that's easier than baking. Baking might take a little practice, but if you're cooking in direct heat right over the fire, you Put your pan closer if you want it hotter and you, you move it farther away if you want it cooler. 
If you're using a grate over the fire, you may just have kicked a few rocks up there to prop your, your skillet or your pan on. It's good to have your actual fire built to the side, and then you can pull coals and, and burning embers um, over under your pan, and you've got more control than if you, if you just built, uh, built your fire right in the middle and put your pan right over it, because that is really, really hot heat. So if you build your fire a little to the side or set your pan up a little to the side, that gives you more control and you can use um, a small shovel. You can you can use handy stick and use that to move the, the coals and the burning the burning pieces under your pan if you want a higher heat and further away if you want more. Do we have to worry about our cast iron where we use it over a fire like that? Well, now. Cast iron is so durable, and that's one of the things that make it perfect for outdoor cooking, because generally we're not having to worry about the pan melting. Now, I do know that some people are a little concerned about the soot that might get on the outside of their pan. So I have my outdoor cooking pans, and I really don't worry about the outside of them. I make sure the insides are nice and clean, uh, but that soot the soot on the outside, that's another reason those gloves are good. You'll keep the, the soot on the gloves and not on your hands. Um, cast iron can withstand really high temperatures. Now, it doesn't mean that, that you can't. If you tried hard enough, yes, you could damage a piece of cast iron. But it is really durable and can handle, can handle high heats. Now, the food in it can't really handle high heats all right. the time. So you can certainly scorch and burn your food if you get too much heat under there. But don't be afraid to try using cast iron over a fire because it is so durable and you may burn a few things and have to scrub on that pan to get the burned part out. But the pan itself is gonna, is gonna handle that really well. Very good. It's uh, very durable. I really enjoy it. It's uh, you. You mentioned uh, going out on the on the four legged transportation, and and I mean, there's nothing like eating out of a cast iron skillet and a cast iron Dutch oven when you're out on the trail somewhere, staying overnight. So it's uh, very nice, and it's a lot of fun to do for sure. Um, so whenever we've got our meal cooked and we are, uh, you know, done. And let's talk about uh, let's talk about cleanup. And I'm going to break this down into a few different categories here. The first thing is going back to kind of the food safety side of it. What about storing leftovers? What about, you know, taking stuff with us, especially like maybe a, a Ziploc bag or aluminum foil to store that in and how to store those? Right. So if you have leftover foods that are considered perishable, now your your leftover biscuits and cornbread, they'll be fine. You don't have to worry about keeping those cold. You do, would like to wrap them up so that you're keeping them away from pests and other things that would like to eat your biscuits and cornbread. But if you have a leftover stew or um, other leftover main dishes, those are perishable. And so if you want to save your leftovers, then plan ahead and make sure you have room in that cooler bag and you still have ice packs and take the food out of your cast iron. Cast iron is not good storage. It is excellent for cooking, but it is not good for storing. So we want to transfer the food out of that and plan ahead for that. Even though most of the time people have great appetites when they're on the trail, you still may have some leftovers. You don't want to waste those, but if you can't save them safely, so if you don't have a way to keep them cold, uh, then it, it might be better to just make the sacrifice on that last little bit, and not try to save it or eat it if you can. Yeah. So take something with you, either the, 
the zip top bags, like you said, or some reusable plastic storage containers, and then put those leftovers um, in, in your cooler bag if you're wanting to save those overnight. And again, if you've had it out too long or you're, you're worried about it at all, it's best safest to, when in doubt, throw it out, mm-hmm. uh, even though we don't want to waste food, especially something that's as tasty as, as cooked over cast iron. Uh, but you don't want to take risks with that because there's no way to ruin a, a camping trip or a hiking trip with an upset stomach, and we don't want to do that. That's for sure. um, I didn't want to add one more comment, Garrett, when you're talking about the four-legged transportation. My my son-in-law goes backpacking with his he and his group of friends, but they will take a cast iron skillet. They draw straws to see who has to carry it because it's heavy. <laughs> That's and their right. their first night meal is steak and baked potatoes and they free freeze the meat and wrap it really well and put it in an insulated bag in their pack and uh, but i would hate to be the one that had to carry that skillet yeah yeah that's i'll carry mine on a horse i think that's right (laughs) (laughs) so after we've gotten the leftovers out we need we need to take care of that pan Uh, even though cast iron is is really durable we want to take care of it right away so that we can avoid rust so after you after you've gotten your your food out and scrape out as much as you can then if it's something sticky you can pour some water in your pan and put it back over the fire and let that warm up and soften any food residue we don't really we never soak cast iron Mm -hmm. because that leads to rust but you can put a little bit of water in it put it back over the fire get it hot and use your um your wooden i use a wooden um it's like a wooden spatula that's my mm-hmm. favorite cooking uh, utensil and scrape off any leftover bits of food, then empty that out and dry it right away or put it back over the fire and let the heat dry it. And always finish up with just a, a real thin coating of oil. Now, if you've baked cornbread in there, you might not need to do anything at all other than wipe out the crumbs mm-hmm. and that's all you need to do. But if you've made a blackberry cobbler, in your pan, it takes a little more, uh, a little more work. And in that instance, a lot of times I may line it with aluminum foil just to cut down on my cleanup. Now your pie will taste fabulous without the aluminum foil or with it. Uh, but if you uh, if you don't want to spend a lot of time scrubbing uh, out on the trail, especially, then you can line that with aluminum foil. If you're cooking something that's sticky or something that has a strong odor that you don't want to linger in your pan. One of the greatest things that I have that uh, really helps me is I have a small, it's probably about three inches wide and maybe six inches long piece of chain mail, I think is what they call that. And and I mean, it it packs so easy and it is, I mean, you can get anything off of cast iron with that. So a little bit of water, a little warm water and rub that thing around. And man, I mean, you can, you can really get cast iron clean. I love using that for my cast iron cleanup. I've seen that. I might have to put that on my my wish list for birthdays or other other gifts. That would be a, a good addition. Yeah, they are. So can we talk about washing dishes outside? Let's, let's wash dishes. <laughs> let's get it all cleaned up so we can sit around the fire and take it easy. That's right. Well, I like to cut out as much dishwashing as possible, um, but especially if we want to use reusable things, we, we want to make sure they're clean. And I know uh, friends that I have that go backpacking, they may never wash their pan. And I, I just don't think that's that's not really how I want I want to manage things. And it, you don't have to have a lot of water. 
But if you want to know the health department approved way for washing dishes outdoors, and this is great to do is if you're with a group, because especially in the health, uh, in the situation of the world right now, and we're a little more aware of transmitting germs from one person to another, we wouldn't want to, to share germs on our dishes if we're, if we're with a group. If you're just with your own family, then I'm sure you can skimp just a little bit on some of these. But the way the health department would approve cooking outdoors is to use three containers. So that's your same three compartment sink. I have three dish pans that I keep in my, my camper. We have a little pop-up camper mm-hmm. in my that kind of camping. I have three dish pans and I use warm soapy water. Just heat that soap up over, over the campfire. Warm soapy water in one and rinse water in another. And then if it's not just my family, then that third, that third one has some sanitizer in it. And it can be as something as simple as a tablespoon of bleach, laundry bleach, just plain bleach put in there. Or there are some tablets that restaurants and cafeterias use, and those are very portable. So that would, that would go in your portable thing. So, so if you're the only one using your dishes, Sure, you can you can skimp as much as you're comfortable with on the dishwashing, but if you're with friends or with a group, we really don't want to um, to share any germs that might make each other sick. Mm-hmm. And then those dishes can just air dry. So you wash in the soapy water, you rinse in the clear water, and then sanitize in that third one and let them air dry. And washing dishes outside is way more fun than washing them inside. <laughs> Everything's better outdoors, right? It is. That is true. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, what else would you, uh, what other words of, of um, advice do you have for us about getting outside and cooking? Anything else that we need to be prepared for? Well, I think that people need to think about making themselves comfortable outdoors. Now that's not, that's not the glamping kind of thing with the, with the down feather bed and, and all, all of that. I just mean, it's okay to do things that make you comfortable outside. So if it's important to you to have a comfortable chair, then bring a comfortable chair. Um, I can sit on the ground pretty good, but I need to find a good tree to lean back against. Don't be afraid to try cooking outdoors. Start simple and just the more you practice, the better you'll get. Um, allow yourself enough time um, to learn new things and don't try to do it all at once. I think that that's a good one. That um, is very good. Just start slow. And the more you cook outdoors, the better you will get at it. Yeah. I had, uh, you know, I've had, I've had some, some bad, uh, bad mistakes a time or two, some raw inside and burnt outside cornbread, you know, and, uh, I burn a couple of hamburgers in a, in a skillet a time or two, but you know, after, after you kind of get used to it and kind of get used to your temperatures and how it works, it, it, it comes around pretty quick. It really does. It does. And what you said about the sitting around a campfire and relaxing after you've had that tasty meal, it's a wonderful way to spend time with your friends and family. It is. I think uh, one thing that I thought of whenever I was doing that is that, you know, that's really something that you can take the whole family, take the kids, get them involved with how to cook in the cast iron and, and outside over the fires. And I think that's a really good thing to do for sure. And uh, let's not forget about trash. You know, we don't want to leave trash when we are out. Uh, If you pack it in, pack it out. 
um, it, we don't want to, we don't really want to burn our trash out in yeah. the, and I don't know if you want to get into leave no trace any Garrett with this, yeah. but the, the, the best thing is if you carry it in, carry it back out and make Absolutely. sure it gets, gets disposed of properly. For sure. For sure. One thing that I always like to do on my podcast is talk about our extension resources and the resources that we have on everything that we've talked about today from food safety to how to clean the cast iron. I know that you've got a publication and a video and and there's tons and tons of resources and tons of recipes that I might add from our wild game all the way to, you know, our plated up and our everything else that you all do on the on your side of it. And uh, so if there's anything that you need about cooking or food safety or any of that kind of stuff, we have tons of resources for that kind of stuff. That is true. And don't feel like that you need a recipe that's specifically for um, outdoor cooking. Right. You can convert any any recipe. And like Garrett said, we have so many recipes. Check with your county extension office. Yeah. With um, We have agents there in family and consumer sciences, agriculture, natural resources, 4-H youth development, and all of those. Horticulture, fine arts. Let me get everybody in. Yeah. Um, and all of those can get you to the to your resources. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us today, Martha. I think we've got some great information how to get people started and, and how to do it once they get there. Garrett, will you enjoy your next camping trip? I've got one coming up in a few weeks and I can't wait. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds great. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for listening to the Rock Egg Podcast. If you would like any more information on the content of this podcast, please contact Garrett Coffey at the Rockcastle County Extension Office. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share our podcast.